Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Shock Talk Podcast. My name is Andy Mitz. I am joined today by Steve Fetch. How are you doing tonight, Fetch? Hey, good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. So so this is take two of this episode of the podcast. We actually had tried to do this a couple nights ago, and uh, I got some new, some new equipment for Christmas, uh, and I didn't apparently have it set up correctly. So all of our audio got corrupted. So we're back to talk about this again. Um, you know, a lot has happened in the last couple weeks. Uh, KU has had three different games that they've played and a lot of news about people coming in. Uh, so we'll go ahead and jump right into it. First things first, uh, the three games that Kansas did play, they played at Nebraska when they won 73-72. Um, then they went, played at home against Nebraska-Omaha, won that game 109-64. to uh, And then they went out right before Christmas uh, out to, to Sacramento and played Stanford, won that game 75-54. to 54. So uh, real quick, Fetch, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and turn to you real quick for the Nebraska and the Nebraska-Omaha games. Any, anything that kind of jumped out to you in those games? I know that Nebraska game was a little closer than I thought it was going to be. Um, but any, any players or any kind of stats or anything that, that you really just want to talk about real quick? Yeah, I was, uh, I was wondering right away if you were going to bring up that we uh, – this is take two, but uh, always good to be transparent, I suppose. Um, so – so against Nebraska, you know, the one thing I guess that stood out to me is that I think they played a little bit better than the score uh, suggested. You know, a lot of people were kind of hand-wringing about the defense because Nebraska scored uh, over a point per possession. But uh, Kansas did a really good job, I thought, at, at forcing kind of long-ish two-point jumpers um, and also did a pretty good job of kind of contesting those two-point jumpers. Um, and those are, you know, shots that are, uh, you know, first of all, Nebraska is not really good at shooting them, but second of all, they're, they're shots that really no one is good at shooting. Um, so I think Nebraska is making about a third of them, uh, on the season. 
and they made you know something like 50% of them against Kansas. And that's just one of those things where it's it's just kind of going to happen sometimes. But um, I don't think really says anything about the way that Kansas played defense. Um, as far as players that stood out, I mean, obviously, uh, Udo Kazabuki with a 26.10 rebound performance. Um, you know, Kansas was uh, basically unstoppable with him on the floor. And then, you know, when he was off the floor, that's kind of when Nebraska uh, would make their runs and stuff. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll obviously talk about this, you know, when we, you know, preview other games and, and I'm sure talk about this more, you know, on future episodes. But, uh, you know, Kansas really needs to to keep him on, on the floor um, as much as possible. And, you know, I think Bill Self needs to be pretty aggressive about keeping him on the floor when he's got two fouls in the first half and, and stuff like that because, uh, you know, it really seems like he's going to be kind of the guy who, who makes the team go this year uh, this, despite, you know, all of the uh, preseason plaudits that Devontae Graham has gotten. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The other guy besides Az- Azubuka that kind of jumped out would be Svi. Um, you know, in, in good ways and bad ways. I mean, he, he ended up with 14 game or 14 points in the Nebraska game, but to be honest, you know, he was shooting two for seven from three. Uh, and it just seemed other than that last one that he buried to win the game. Uh, you know, it seemed like he was having an off night, um, but flipped that to the Nebraska Omaha game at home. And, you know, he, he went absolutely insane. Um, he 26 points shot six of seven on from three point range. He had a, a pretty insane 192 offensive rating. Um, which is just absolutely ridiculous. And so, you know, that kind of shows, I think we, we, we kind of expected him to step up a little bit. It looked like he had um, early in the year, but he's also kind of gone back to being either, you know, absolutely phenomenal or kind of disappearing and, and at times hurting this team. Um, what, what do you think is kind of more realistic for him going forward? Do you think he's, he's going to be this streaky or is he going to settle in and, and probably be a, an overall positive contributor for the team? Yeah, you know, I think he'll, I think he'll probably be both. To be honest with you, I think, I think he'll be streaky, but but also kind of a positive uh, contributor to the team overall. Um, you know, if, if you're looking at his numbers, kind of his game by game numbers, really the the thing that's most streaky about him is is his three point shooting. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's he's goes two for seven against Nebraska, like you said, and then six for seven against Nebraska Omaha, and then zero for five against Stanford. Um, but the rest of his his numbers are pretty good and, and pretty consistent. So, um, and I think the other thing too, is that uh, he's stepped up um, a lot defensively um, this season as compared to the last couple of seasons. And, you know, I think some of that is, is due to, you know, physically being, you know, as mature as the other guys uh, he's playing with, you know, he's finally, I mean, he's 20 now. Good point. So, you know, that makes a big, big difference. And, you know, he's getting out to shooters a little bit better. He he left a couple in, in the Arizona State game, um, but, you know, kind of everyone had that problem in that game, so I'm not too worried about that. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Um, Kevin Flaherty at uh, at 247 Sports wrote a thing today about um, KU's three-point shooting in Allen Fieldhouse and away from Allen Fieldhouse uh, and how much better it is. Um, according to his numbers, he's got them at 48% uh, in Allen Fieldhouse, uh, and about 31% away from Allen Fieldhouse, which is obviously a huge gulf. Um, now, obviously, a lot of that is is sample size. I mean, they've shot under 200 threes uh, away from Allen Fieldhouse and under 200 threes at Allen Fieldhouse. So, you know, uh, one or two good games, and you're going to drastically change the numbers there. But um, I bring that up now because no one really exemplifies that more than Sfi. I mean, he's 
you know, his worst game from three <clears throat> in Allen Fieldhouse is uh, one of three against Oakland. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and his best game outside of Allen Fieldhouse was uh, the three for seven effort he had uh, against Syracuse. Now, you actually, know, actually, hey, it was a uh, O of three. He was O of four against Toledo and O of three against uh, Arizona State. Both of those. Uh, you're you're looking at the twos, not the threes. Oh, you're right. I am. Whoops. Never mind. <laughs> no, that's all right. Um, but but so you know the the reason I uh, the reason I say this now here is uh, you know with regard to sample size, I mean uh, the difference between uh, two and seven or two for seven and three for seven. Uh, is you know just one make, but percentage-wise, I mean it's a it's a wild difference. So you know you get one of those games for C where where he's like you know four or five from three, you know maybe at Texas on Friday hopefully, uh, and you know you, you've got a whole different ball game. So I wouldn't really be too worried about that yet. I think it's just more speed kind of comes and goes, and, and you just kind of have to live with it. Yeah, and unfortunately that's kind of just the way it's going to be this year. So. All right, so let's let's talk about depth as well. Um, you know, we we got Sam Cunliffe for those two games, um, for those first two games, actually for for all three of the games that we had in the last couple of weeks. But he only played a couple minutes, I believe, in in the game against Nebraska. Um, played a little bit more against Nebraska Omaha, but you know, not only with him coming in, but with some of the other guys, we've got uh, Sosinski had some some good minutes, I think, towards the end of some of those games. Um, I mean, does it look like like depth isn't really as big of an issue as we thought it was going to be? Um, especially since now we know we're getting to Souza, but we won't have him in time for the Texas game. Um, or do you still think that this is still something that we're going to need to be concerned about? Well, I think you know until we get uh, you know Souza suited up and playing, um, and until we get Billy Preston suited up and playing, which uh, I'm still optimistic about, just the way that Bill Self has talked about it. Um, until that happens, yeah, I'm, I'm a little worried about it. I mean, I, I really like, you know, Mitch Lightfoot in terms of, you know, his ability to play in spurts, but, uh, I think his, his value is kind of more of what he's going to be in the future. And then, you know, Clay Young had a really nice effort against Syracuse, but you can't really depend on a six, three walk on to be getting minutes at the five and expect to really do anything, you know? So, um, I'm a little worried uh, about that um, just because, and the other thing too is, is, you know, how they've looked with Azubuki off the floor versus on the floor, you know, on the floor, they're probably one of the best uh, teams in the country Uh, with him off the floor. They're like a middle of the pack, big 12 team. So, you know, they really need to keep him on the floor. And and some of that's because he's good, but some of that is, is because of the guys who's replacing him. So, Getting D'Souza and, and getting Billy Preston is going to help with that a lot, I think. And and I guess that also kind of begs the question, when we do have D'Souza and, and also Preston, and it's, it's kind of my assumption we'll have them both, do you think that's going to shift us more towards trying to have two big men on the floor at times, or is it more going to be a, you know, so we have good solid options when Asabuke has to come off the floor and we're still going to go with a four-guard lineup most of the time? Yeah, I, I think they're probably going to do um, a little of both. You know, I think Bill Self obviously likes to play those two-guard lineups. Um, at the same time, I think, you know, he's done a really good job of kind of realizing the way that uh, basketball has kind of gone with some of these smaller lineups and stuff. So um, I, I think that he's going to probably play those four-guard lineups quite a bit. And, you know, the other thing with Billy Preston, too, is, you know, just based on what I've seen over in, in Italy and in the two exhibition games when he played, he certainly seems versatile enough to kind of function as that second big man or as like a fourth guard. 
Um, so that's going to allow them to be, you know, a lot more um, versatile with their lineups. You know, you can probably play the five and, you know, kind of a, a small ball four or a, a big ball four for, for lack of a better word. Um, but I think, you know, like I said, self would probably prefer to, to play those bigger lineups, but, you know, they've got a lot of wings and, and a lot of guards. And I think, you know, even with Sam Cunliffe coming in, I like what he's shown. Obviously, you know, Spee and Vic uh, have shown that they've been pretty good. Uh, and then you've got, you know, Garrett and, and Graham and Newman. So that's a lot of small guys to get time. So I think he's going to, you know, be forced into to doing that. Yeah, I was going to say, that, that kind of begs the question, and then you kind of talked about it a little bit, is, you know, who who loses playing time if we try to have two forwards on at the same time? Um, you know, I mean, and, and naturally, I think if that does happen, I think it's a guy like Garrett who probably loses time and comes in more as a defensive specialist. Um, you know, his his offense has kind of cooled off a little bit. He's kind of that utility jack-of-all-trades guy um, to kind of do whatever we need him in any particular game. But he, he seems like the natural fit to kind of lose the minutes of some of these guys coming in, um, you know, just so we can get some other lineups out there. But I could also see him, you know, coming on in a, in a tournament game or two and kind of turning the tide there, providing some extra energy, providing some things uh, that we don't necessarily see out of him over the entire course of the season. So it's, it's, it's a nice problem to have, you know, to have extra guys coming in and giving you some more flexibility in the middle of the year. Um, it's really just a question of how quickly can we get these guys up to speed? Does it really affect us going into the beginning of conference play? So, all right, let's, so actually let's go ahead and move on to conference play. Obviously it, it starts this Friday, uh, which is actually tomorrow as of the time that we're recording. Um, with a, a, a match down at Texas. Um, Texas has kind of been a really streaky team this year themselves. Uh, you know, they, they looked really, really good playing against Duke. Um, and, and in the in the PK-80, uh, they also actually followed it up with a, with a pretty good game against Gonzaga as well, taking both those teams to overtime. Um, you know, they have some some decent wins. They beat Butler. Um, but, you know, just, just about a week and a half ago, they had problems at home against Tennessee State. They won that game only 47-46 and really needed some late-game heroics to pull that win off. So what what do you make of this Texas team at this point? I mean, are, are we do we really need to be too concerned with them? Obviously, they have a guy like Mo Bamba that can give us trouble down low. But, what, I mean, what else do you think that they do that would concern us? Yeah, you know, I, I guess I don't really know what to make of them, to be honest with you. Um, you know, they're second in, in Ken Palm defensively right now, but I think some of that is um, maybe a little bit, um, I, I guess I don't really know what the right word is, but I think they're due for some regression just because they av- they allow about an average number of, of three-point attempts, but teams are only shooting 28% from three against them, and so... Mm-hmm. You know, you got to figure uh, that's going to come up a little bit, which is going to affect their numbers. Um, and, you know, I mean, they've got obviously a lot of talent, like you said. I mean, Mo Bamba, he's going to be a, a big key. Um, I was talking with, with Jeff Haley over at uh, Burnt Or Nation, the, the Texas SB Nation site, and uh, he said that Bamba kind of struggles with uh, kind of bigger-bodied big men, which obviously Azabuki would uh, qualify. <laughs> Uh, so maybe, you know, you can get some foul trouble on him uh, and get him off the floor, which I think would be huge for Kansas. Um, the other thing he mentioned was that Kerwin Roach uh, is a really good um, perimeter defender and, and probably is going to kind of take out whoever he guards uh, on the team. Um, you would think that he would probably be on Devontae Graham just because of Graham's kind of importance on the perimeter, but 
that might screw some things up for, for the rest of the things they do on, on the perimeter. So we're just going to kind of have to wait and see uh, on that. But he's certainly someone to watch out for. Uh, and then, you know, I think just, just as a whole uh, for Texas, you know, the one thing that I think we, you know, can, can, can kind of count as a positive is they don't shoot the ball well at all. They're 341st nationally in three-point shooting at 28%. Uh, really the only guy on their team who's a good shooter who, uh, believe, believe it or not, is going to be back probably from a, a broken wrist is Andrew Jones. You don't know how effective he's going to be, obviously. Uh, but only missing four games with a broken wrist is uh, yeah. seems crazy to me. Um, but so he's a good shooter, but obviously, you know, who knows how that's going to happen with a with a broken wrist. Um but one thing that that'll do is Kansas can kind of play off their perimeter guys and, and maybe be not commit some fouls and can hopefully keep some guys off the floor uh, and dare them to shoot jumpers and maybe try to turn it into a jump shooting contest with, even with the, you know, aforementioned shooting uh, in Allen Fieldhouse versus away from Allen Fieldhouse, you got to favor Kansas in a, a jump shooting contest. So um, I think it's probably going to be like a five-ish point game uh, either way. Um but I think it's going to take, you know, a pretty good effort from Texas to come away with a win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have to agree with you there. I think that Mo Bamba is kind of the biggest, really the only main thing to worry about. Um, they're not much of a threat to get hot from three point range to, to be able to keep pace with Kansas and Kansas has shown the ability that if, even if the outside shot's not falling, they can, you know, they, they can actually get the ball inside um, and, and can go ahead and, and score that way. Um, good rotations, get open shots, things like that. And they've been able to lock down on defense even when they're not shooting um, for the most part. So, um, you know, I'm not necessarily too worried. Even if the shots aren't falling for Kansas, this should be a close game. Um, But Kansas obviously has the potential to really shoot the lights out um, and go in and and make a statement at the beginning of Big 12 play. Um, So hopefully that's what they do. Yeah, I am kind of surprised that he's coming back from that wrist injury. Um, that's only three and a half weeks at best. Uh, yeah, I think he's uh, I think he's a game time decision, so he's certainly not you know guaranteed to be back. But they're uh, and I haven't seen anything new. This could have changed, but just based on what I saw on Twitter, they're sounding like they're preparing for him to be ready. So yeah, that's that's crazy. Uh, but yeah, talking again about the whole the whole defense thing. Um, yeah, you know, three point percentage is really what's driving that defensive number. It looks like um, which. You know, we've we've had this discussion before. Three-point defense is probably the one thing that's really completely out of your control as a defensive team. Um, the only thing you can do to, to defend three-pointers is make sure you have a guy who can get a hand in the face. But a lot of these good shooters these days can make it even if, you know, there's somebody in their face. So, um, really, your, your three-point defensive numbers are, are going to really just reflect how hot were the teams when you played them. Um, you know, there's a little bit to that, but a 28.2% number is absolutely ridiculous. There's there's no way that that isn't going to regress back at some point. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily be too worried. And Kansas is, you know, one of the better three-point shooting teams. So I would expect there to be a big jump in that number. If there's probably if they're still in the top, you know, 20 uh, after this game, I would be really surprised. So, all right. So, um, any, anything else about the Texas game specifically? Uh, you know, I guess one other thing, uh, is that, you know, this is going to be, um, maybe the last game. Well, I guess I don't know. We'll see if he's back for Texas Tech, but maybe the last game without Silvio D'Souza, which, 
you know, we'll see if some guys are maybe, you know, pressing a little bit, trying to earn some more playing time and stuff. I think one thing that has kind of driven their performance against Stanford is that, you know, guys are kind of settling into their role and stuff. And so this might be the first, you know, look at whether that kind of stays true or not. But, um, you know, who knows? And the other thing, too, I guess, just to, to reiterate, I mean, uh, Texas's two-point defense is, is pretty good as well. Um, they're 22nd nationally in that, which is uh, probably more impressive than, you know, being 10th in, in three-point defense against. And uh, But a lot of that, again, is, is Mo Bamba. So, right. you know, uh, I think they're going to probably try to establish Azubuki down low uh, as much as possible. And, uh, you know, this might be one of those uh, rare games. I always say that getting to the foul line is kind of, you know, irrelevant. Uh, but this might be one of those games where a, a foul on Bamba is worth more than the two points that a, a dunk might be worth. So that's something to watch out for as well. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say, I think foul fouling or getting the opponent opponent excuse me getting the opponent's big man in foul trouble, I think is going to be a big goal for both of these teams. Um, if if Azubuke is on the bench because of two quick fouls, that really favors Texas. If Mo Bamba's on the bench because of two quick fouls, that really favors Kansas. So, yeah, I can definitely see them driving at these guys early, trying to trying to get them to get quick and cheap fouls. Um, hopefully, obviously, we want Kansas to be the one that gets fouls on, on Bamba. But, um, you know, neither of these teams really seem to be phenomenal at getting to the free-throw line. Um, Kansas definitely is, is really, really bad at it. So, um, But Texas, I mean, Texas isn't isn't uh, super, you know, super good at it either. Um, Kansas is also actually really good about not letting the opponents get to the free throw line. Um, you know, they are 27th nationally in that, whereas uh, Texas themselves are about middle of the pack and in and, and getting to the free throw line. So I'm not expecting this to be a foul-heavy game. Um, neither of these teams really send their opponents to the line very much. So, it, you know, it may come down to the to the jump shooting or the three-point shooting, just because neither of these teams seems to really be very good at at, uh, at at getting to the line, or or you know they're they're playing a team that's not really known for sending people to the line a lot. So, um, so let's let's go ahead and move on from that game. Unless you had anything else that you just desperately wanted to get off your chest about. That. Uh, nope, nope. I think you're good. All right, good. So I wanted to revisit real quick because we are at the beginning of Big Twelve play. Um, you know the rankings that that we had put out at the beginning of the year. We had talked about it on the podcast. I know you had put out an article talking about ranking the Big 12 and how we thought it was going to play out this year. And, and looking over what we had, you know, I wasn't really seeing too many teams that seemed out of line now, um, now, now that we've had, you know, all of non-conference to, to, to look at them. But were there any of them that kind of jumped out at you that, you, that maybe you, you would have moved if, if we went back and, and put these predictions back out today? Uh, not really, uh, to be honest with you. You know, obviously, I think we should probably talk about Texas Tech because they're currently tenth in Ken Palm uh, in eleven and one. Um, kind of similar to to what we're talking about with Texas. I mean, their defense has been the driver. They're sixth nationally in defense, um, but I, I think a lot of that, even more so uh, than Texas, is kind of the lack of competition they played. Uh, they played uh, three teams or four teams, excuse me, ranked uh, sub three hundred in Ken Palm. And uh, they've only played four top 100 teams and only two top 50 teams. So they really haven't played anyone yet. And, and you know, a lot of what's driving their defense is uh, turnover percentage forced. And uh, that is very dependent on kind of the opposing team's talent. And, 
you know, it's a lot easier to, to press and, and force a lot of turnovers against these point guards that are playing at, you know, Maine and, and Abilene Christian and places like that. Uh, it's a whole other thing to do it in the Big 12. So uh, I definitely don't think that they're, you know, going to finish like eighth or ninth or anything like that in the Big 12. But um, I don't think they're, you know, Ken Palm has them as the second best team in the Big 12 right now. And, and I don't think they're that good. I think, uh, you know, I could see them. I think I picked them uh, seventh. Uh, or eighth in the eighth. league in the preseason, eighth. And, uh, you know, I, I think I'd probably bump him up a couple of spots, but I don't know that I would see him finishing, you know, fourth or higher. Yeah, and and to be fair, you did say you could see them finishing as high as fifth. So, you know, the run, the good run that they're on now um, could potentially bump them up into that range. But the other thing to talk about really is that the Big 12 as a whole is a, is a lot better than I think people thought they were going to be this year. Um, you know, Gary Parrish and, uh, Matt Norlander for, from CBS sports, they actually put out a, an episode of their podcast recently, um, where they devoted entirely to talking about how good the big 12 is and how much better the big 12 is than top from, from top to bottom than a lot of people give them credit for. Um, you know, really the only, the only team that's not in the top 50 in Ken Palm right now is Iowa state. Um, and while I think that they're probably going to end up being joined in that group, you know, by Oklahoma state. Um, just given some of the issues that Oklahoma State has now with their depth. Um, you know, this is a very solid conference top to bottom. Uh, it's really hard to imagine any of these teams finishing, you know, poorly in any other of the major conferences, to be honest. Um, other than, you know, Iowa State and Oklahoma State. Like, I, I think if you took a team like Baylor and put them in, say, the Big Ten, that they could finish in the top half fairly easily. Um, but Baylor could end up being, you know, number seven or eight here in, in the Big 12, just the way that they're playing. So, you know, we've got we've got a lot of talented teams here um, that's going to make this race extremely interesting. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just looking at it now, I'm not sure that there's really anybody that kind of jumps out as, you know, they were they were poorly ranked in the beginning. Obviously, Kansas has struggled. So you could say, well, maybe they're not the top team. But as I think is pretty standard across the nation, until Kansas doesn't win the Big 12, it's hard to think that they're not going to win it in any particular year. Um, but, yeah, West Virginia, TCU, and Oklahoma are kind of all in that pack together with TCU being undefeated. Um, West Virginia, I believe their only loss is that when they got creamed by Texas A&M at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, when, and the big story there was that Texas A&M was missing some players, but West Virginia was missing some players too. So um, the fact that they've been able to, to come on so strong after that uh, still leaves them up there at the top. And then Oklahoma with, with Trey Young just going crazy. I mean, I, I, it's hard to argue with the thought that Trey Young, as of right now, is your consensus national player of the year, um, especially if he can continue to keep this up. So, um, yeah, I mean, those three teams are definitely challenging. Um, I would I would probably say right now I'd probably slot Texas Tech in at number five uh, just on the fact that they are so strong in, in Ken Palm. Um, but I mean, yeah, the the rest of these teams are all kind of right around where you saw where where you saw them. The one thing I will say about Oklahoma State, um, CBS Sports actually put out another article earlier today, talking about teams that have been pretty hot to start the season that are probably going to slide. Um, Oklahoma State's one of them. You know, talking about they already had a depleted roster, but they actually parted ways with uh, with uh, Devon Dillard and then Zach Dawson recently. So now they have some real big depth issues. And, of course, they're getting ready to start Big 12 play. Um, you know, their only win is against another another kind of um, semi-disappointing Florida State team that probably is going to have some problems of their own. Um, and then and then Iowa State's the other one 
you know, that, that people are kind of thinking could take a slide as well from the Big 12. But, um, you know, they've had all kinds of depth issues, uh, guys leaving and not really being able to replace them. So I don't know that really surprises anybody. But, you know, if you're talking about it right now, Iowa State is, is I think, fairly clearly the worst team in the Big 12 right now. Um, but going to play them on the road is not going to be, you know, easy like you would normally think the le- the worst team in a conference is going to be. So uh, it should be a really fascinating Big 12 race. I'm not really sure, um, you know, that we have enough information at this point to even really pretend um, how this is all going to shake out. So and any other thoughts on the, on the race as a whole? Right. Yeah, I think like you said, I, you know, it's going to be tough to know uh, who's going to win the league without knowing when – Souza is going to be ready to play and when Billy Preston is going to get cleared. Yeah. Uh, if, if you, you know, were able to, to tell me a date, I can probably tell you whether I think Kansas is going to win the league or not. Um, I'm still saying that they're going to, uh, just because I'm kind of banking on, you know, D'Souza being ready probably for, for January 6th against TCU. Uh, and then I think, you know, we're going to get good news uh, on Billy Preston here at some point. So, you know, maybe January 6th or so uh, for him as well. So, so just for argument's sake, let's say, you know, that, that uh, D'Souza didn't make it back until the Iowa State game on January 9th and that we didn't get Preston back until the Baylor game or our the West Virginia game on January 15th. Um, do you think that that's enough of a problem that it really puts Kansas at a huge disadvantage? Or, I mean, because if you look at it, and, and, and my thoughts on this is that, you know, unless we don't get either of them before that West Virginia game, um, you know, those are those are three games on the road that we probably had a really good shot at losing anyway, you know, at Texas, at TCU, at West Virginia. So even assuming we drop all three of those, I still think that this comp is going to beat each, up, beat each other up enough, um, you know, that you could have five losses and still at least tie for the Big 12 title. Um, yeah. I think, uh, I think out of those, I think TCU is probably the one that is a little bit affected. I mean, I think Kansas is going to have a pretty good shot to beat them, assuming they don't have, you know, six guys playing. Right. Um, and I and I like TCU. I just think that, you know, Kansas is going to have them in their sights, kind of knowing that, you know, TCU knocked them out of the Big 12 tournament last year, which, you know, Big 12 tournament isn't really worth anything, but it's still <laughs> something to, you know, they're going to have their full attention. Um, and, you know, having a a full body, you know, so you could have guys who could, you know, box out guys like Kenrich Williams and, and, you know, Desmond Bain, uh, you know, is a pretty good player this year for him. You could have, uh, you know, Vlad Brodzianski. I mean, all, all these guys that they have as far as wings and big men um, who you kind of need length to defend, uh, you know, would help to have one or two extra guys. So that's kind of maybe the one that I'm a little bit worried about. But, um, you know, the Arizona State game kind of makes this a little – different to say but you're you're kind of expecting Kansas to win nine games at home you know in the in the big 12 season maybe maybe eight you know they lost one last year so so maybe they lose one this year um but you know eight and one at home even you know that's that's a pretty big uh that's a pretty big gap probably from what the rest of the teams in the league are going to do so when you can do that I mean that just gives you such a big advantage and you know, Kansas does a really good job of going and winning those games on the road as well, especially those big games that they need to win. Um, you know, it seems like every year there's that one showdown game uh, in the league, whether it's, you know, at home or, or on the road. Uh, and it just seems like, you know, I mean, last year it was at Baylor, 
you know, the year before it was at Oklahoma. And, and it just seems like Kansas always wins those games. But when you can start out with, with eight or eight and one or nine and zero at home, I mean, it's going to be really tough to, to knock them off just because of that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, and you know, looking our first, our first six games, I mean, there's really, we've got two, I would almost say, give me home games at this point against Iowa state and Kansas state, just the way that they've been playing. I, I'm not seeing either of those being an issue. Um, you know, obviously a, a challenge going down to TCU, um, somewhat of a challenge going down to Texas. We kind of, we've, you know, we've kind of talked about that one, but I'm fairly comfortable thinking that Kansas is going to come away with that win. Um, Texas Tech could potentially be an issue, but, you know, every year we see Texas Tech plays us really close at home, um, but this game coming up on the second is is in Allen Fieldhouse. And we we typically just destroy them, even if they're a decent team, um, you know, we've, I believe there were, there was one year where we won by two, uh, down in their arena. And then they came back, I think it was like three weeks later and we beat them by 35 or something ridiculous like that. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that I'm necessarily too concerned about any of these really. It's just, um, you know, how long does it go before we get to Sousa or Preston? I, I don't even think we necessarily need both of them. Uh, we just need one that's going to, you know, be integrated by that point. So as long as we have them, I think, by the West Virginia game, at least one of them and the other one back before we face Oklahoma or, or Texas A&M, then I think, I think it's going to be hard-pressed for me to, to really think that anyone else is going to win the Big 12. At least, at least, you know, there may be someone else tying for the title, but I, I don't know that I'd have a hard time picking someone else to just outright beat Kansas. So Hopefully that's kind of the case. We don't have to worry about the streak ending here at 13. The, the one thing that I thought was really strange, um, you know, there was an article that went up, I believe it was today, they were talking about the streak. Um, and one of the commenters, I don't remember who it was, said something to the effect of, well, I almost wish that they lost uh, the Big 12 this year and didn't extend the streak. So that we're always brought up with those, you know, phenomenal UCLA teams of the 70s, but then they go win the national title and one-up that. And, and my thought on that was that I don't, I don't want to tie anybody for this streak. I would rather just go ahead and take it. And when they talk about Kansas and compare them to that UCLA team, you know, they're talking about how this Kansas team, this Kansas program, you know, has a much better streak than them at that point. Um, so ho- hopefully we can kind of keep that going. Um, and, and this isn't the year that we end up, you know, stopping that, that streak. Yeah, I think, you know, I've kind of, I mean, listen, I care about the streak and and I think, you know, regular season is kind of the, the, obviously you'd rather win a national championship, but, you know, regular season performance is kind of more, uh, you know, I think predictive in terms of who the best team was that year, uh, you know, even like throughout, you know, all of college basketball. So, you know, for that reason, I, I definitely enjoy the streak and, and think it's, you know, a cool thing and, and important to keep going and stuff. But, yeah, you know, I, I think once they once they hit 14, I mean, it's it's just going to kind of be a, a, you know, not a whatever thing, but certainly be a, a lot less important than it has been over the last couple of years probably. Right. Once they hit 14, like, then they've got the record on their own. Um, 15 might be – you know, kind of cool just because of the actual number, you know, it's kind of a, a rounded off number. Um, but then at that point, you know, if it keeps going past that, it only becomes more of a novelty when you get to like 20 or 25 or things like that. So, um, you know, I mean, if it ended, you know, if we got to like 17 and it ended, I don't know that I'd be too broken up that it ended. It'd be more of a, you know, then you can finally reflect on just how phenomenal of an accomplishment that was because it's done. Um, you know, at that point, we're not, we're not going to con- continue to talk about it. So, 
Um, yeah, this is kind of, I think, the most nerve-wracking year because if this, you know, this is where they can take it all for themselves. And, and that's the, this is the one that I really want. So, you know, I really want them to be able to say that they have that record for themselves. Um, obviously, I'd love to win a national title. And if, and if you told me I could choose one or the other, I think I'd take the national title in a heartbeat. Um, you know, now that we have tied the record, at least we have that. Um, but I, you know, that, that national title, I think does a whole lot more for the, for the, uh, pedigree of the program than getting number 14 in a row. So not to mention that, you know, not winning the, the conference title this year isn't really a bad thing just with how good this entire conference is going to be. I wouldn't be surprised to see the big 12 have, you know, three teams in the elite eight this year with the way that they've been playing. Um, so Hopefully that's the case. Hopefully, you know, we can be talking about how great the Big 12 was and that Kansas won. Um, you know, we get a couple of Big 12 teams in the Final Four and Kansas wins the national title. That'd be like the perfect year for me. Sign me up. Exactly. All right. I'm going to call it now. Now, when it doesn't happen, we'll never speak of this ever again. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Now, so. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Well, uh, I was going to go ahead and talk about football a little bit. I know we did in the first take, but I actually am going to be talking with Mike later this weekend about that. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and save that for that, for that episode. Um, let you guys, listeners know, we will be talking about the, the football early signing period class. Um, you know, they were able to, to sign some of the, some, some of the big names that they were looking at. And so we'll, we'll, we'll break that down this weekend. Um, so make sure you listen for that. Um, but so before we go ahead and get out of here, uh, Fetch, I know in, in, in take one, we had a couple different quote unquote cricket minutes that were had nothing to do with cricket. So, I'm going to go ahead and turn those back over to you so you can go ahead and talk about them to make sure that people hear about them. Yeah, I'm I'm doing again. Uh, same too. Um, well, first, I would just like to say with regard to football, uh, hired Jeff Munkin. Uh, okay, so uh, as as you may or may not know, the Olympics are coming up in uh, about uh, six weeks here, uh, middle of February in Pyeongchang, South Korea. Uh, it's going to be pretty tough to watch a lot of these things just because of the time difference so uh you know it's been a while since there there have been an olympics over there so it's going to be kind of interesting to see what happens but i thought i would you know maybe uh preview a couple of the sports here uh just to talk about them a little bit to to get people in case they uh tune in and are like what the hell is this uh so the first one is the biathlon and the biathlon is the uh skiing and shooting combined event so there's a few different distances but the general gist is the same. You uh, cross-country ski for a, a distance, and then you come up to a, a shooting station, and there's targets that are uh, about the size of like a like a silver dollar, uh, and they're about half a football field away, I believe. And and you get five shots, and uh, depending on the event, if you if you miss, you either get uh, an amount of time added on to your time, uh, or you have to skate. Or, uh, excuse me a like penalty loop so um <laughs> you know obviously if you miss you know you can maybe miss one uh which just goes to show how ridiculous these people are i mean you're you're skiing and your heart rate is obviously up and you're in the olympics and then you have to like settle it down and right and then, and then try to you know shoot and hit these things so uh one interesting thing to watch is the u.s has never won an olympic medal uh in biathlon um, they have a, a couple of chances. They had a, a world champion, uh, which was their first ever world champion in, in biathlon. Uh, and then uh, they had a silver medalist as well. 
uh, at the last World Championship. So they've got a, a chance for a couple of uh, medals, but it's it's really tough uh, just because you know there's so many people going, and just one little thing can can knock you off. So certainly wouldn't be expecting it, but it also uh, wouldn't be a, a total and complete shock if it happened. Um, just quickly, Germany has the most total biathlon medals as a country uh, of all time, which kind of surprised me, uh, you know, because Germany is not very good at cross-country skiing. So the fact that they are so good at biathlon is, is kind of weird. Uh, Norway is second, um, which doesn't surprise me. Biathlon, Fetch, is that, uh, you know, it's not like it's a, like it's a sprint or like a, I mean, it's, it's about not only going quickly enough in the cross-country portion, but also being able to stay consistent enough that you can keep your, your heart rate down, you can keep your breathing down. So when you get up to shooting, you're not having to take all that time to set yourself. Sure, that's that's fair. That's so, fair. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say, you know, the best shooting teams probably aren't going to be um, the best biathlon, you know, because but and, and the best skiing teams aren't going to be the best at the biathlon. It's, it's a lot of a lot like with the decathlon or the heptathlon, things like that. You want to you, you don't want to necessarily be the best at any of the particular events. You want to be fairly good at mo- at all of them um, yeah that's that's fair so yeah i mean i don't know that i'm necessarily too surprised that that germany um has the most i although i probably would have thought it would have been someone like uh norway um or sweden or something like that right well well funny you mentioned that because norway is second um basically built off the backs of of one guy uh, a guy named ole einar bjorn Dahlen, who actually unfortunately retired uh, at the last Olympics, but he is not only the most decorated biathlete of all time, he's the most decorated uh, winter Olympian uh, of all time with 13 total medals uh, in his Olympic career, which is insane. Now he got the, he got the benefit of, of being in, you know, they used to hold both the summer and winter Olympics in the same year. And then they switched in the early nineties. And so they actually had the winter Olympics in both 92 and 94. So he got a little boost there, but uh, still, you know, a, a tremendous achievement. So yeah, uh, that's your that's your biathlon. Um, next, uh, actually, kind of getting off the Olympic track here, uh, over to to ice hockey. I mean, obviously, ice hockey is an Olympic sport, and and you know, the NHL is not going to be there, so it's probably not going to be as as highly watched uh, this year. So your main event for uh, international hockey this year, and and my uh, favorite. Uh, actually hockey event of the year probably the uh, world junior championships which is for all players 20 and under so it's kind of you know there's definitely nhlers who are 20 and under and and every year there's you know a list of of nhl players who are in the nhl and and don't play in this tournament because they're you know getting paid millions of dollars to play hockey but uh for, for the most part it's a way for you know guys who are uh, in the minors or or in college hockey or in you know junior hockey or guys who haven't been drafted yet to kind of showcase and it's kind of where you can see you know tomorrow's stars today so um, the U.S. team is the defending champions uh, they beat Canada in a shootout uh, as you might imagine Canada has the most gold medals of all time about three times more than anyone else uh, the U.S. just won its fourth gold medal last year they're uh, tied for third in terms of most gold medals. Uh, they are the favorites to win it this year, uh, but they're in a really strong pool. They're with both Canada and Finland in their same pool, and uh, Canada and Finland are probably the other two major gold medal contenders. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, they they are going to be, you know, locked to get out of the pool because it's a, it's a five-team pool and, and four teams get out, and 
Oh. You know, there's no there's no buys for finishing first in your pool or anything like that. So, you know, not not really any danger. They just kind of want to play for seeding so they can play one of the weaker teams in the other pools. But um, players to watch for uh, out of uh, this uh, U.S. team. Uh, my favorite player uh, on the team, just because I'm a Winnipeg Jets fan and he's a, a Winnipeg Jets draftee, is Dylan Sandberg, who's from Minnesota, plays for the University of Minnesota Duluth. Uh, he was drafted in the second round this year. Um, the other, you know, probably main guy to watch uh, for, you know, the tournament's being held in Buffalo, and uh, they have uh, Buffalo Sabres prospect Casey Middlestadt, who uh, unfortunately made the mistake of going to the University of Minnesota to play, uh, which is really <laughs> too bad. Uh, <laughs> the other, uh, the other probably you know, best goal scorer on the team is a, a kid named Kyler Yamamoto, who was drafted in the first round by the Edmonton Oilers this year. Uh, plays for Spokane in the WHL, which is a, a Canadian junior league. So kind of the same. Uh, it's it's 16 to 20 year olds, basically. So a little bit younger than guys who play college hockey, but uh, kind of the the top tier of of Canadian minor league or not minor league, but Canadian junior hockey. Uh, and then uh, one last guy to, to profile um, is. A uh, guy who's probably going to go in the first round this year of the 2018 draft, uh, Quinn Hughes, who plays at the University of Michigan. He's actually from Orlando, Florida, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, there's actually two kids from Florida on this team, uh, zero kids from Massachusetts. So uh, that's that's <laughs> kind of an interesting thing. I think this is the first time in like 20 years there hasn't been a, a kid from Massachusetts on the team. So uh USA Hockey has has gotten better at these tournaments. I mean, they've dominated a lot of the the underage tournaments, the under 19s, under or under 18s, uh, and under 17s. And a lot of that is because they've really diversified, you know, where they've gotten kids from. And yeah, you know, Missouri Missouri has actually turned into to quite a hotbed of hockey, like we talked about um, uh, on our podcast with the uh, the guys from the club hockey team. So. Yeah. Uh, definitely something to watch out for. I mean, who who doesn't like cheering on America? So exactly. uh, all, all the U.S. games and, and I believe all the Canadian games as well are on NHL Network if you get it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and just a couple points real quick. Uh, you know, it's not, really not actually that surprising. There's some, some good guys from Orlando, Florida. Um, you got to think that's where the IMG Academy is and a lot of other um, you know, sports academies and stuff like that. Uh, they, they actually have a bunch of athletes from all over the place coming out of Orlando because, you know, they import a lot of good high school athletes there um, because they have all the, all the excellent facilities there. And, and also the only reason that you're saying that going to Minnesota was a mistake is because they happen to be big hockey rival with, uh, with your, your alma mater, correct? Of, of North Dakota. Yeah, that's, that's correct. That's uh, I mean, that's kind of the, the Kansas, Missouri, uh, of of college hockey, except except you know I I unfortunately do have to admit that uh, Minnesota is is pretty good uh, at hockey. So unlike KU Missouri, where Missouri you know pretty much sucks at everything, uh, Minnesota is actually pretty good and like a worthy rival. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got to have one of those eventually, right? <laughs> true. Yep. True. Exactly. All right. So yeah. Um. You know, the only other note about the about the. Uh, the hockey championships there is the fact that, uh, that, you know, the Olympics are going to be very strange to watch hockey in this year because Russia, um, was recently barred from entering any, any delegations at all, um, to the Olympics because of a doping scandal. Uh, so there will not be a Russian hockey team 
As a result of that, the KHL, which is Russia's hockey league, will not allow any of their players to go play at the Olympics either. So there's not going to be any NHL players, not going to be any KHL players. Um, there's still, you know, some other good hockey leagues that we'll get some, some guys from, but the rosters for many of the major teams is going to be extremely different this year. Um, there's a good chance that some of these players that we're seeing here in, in, the, in the junior championships um, could potentially be on teams where they wouldn't have been allowed to before just because they need to fill out rosters with, with talented players. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You know, we may be able to preview a few guys here and actually know who they are before they get, they get into the Olympics. Uh, so some of these new these new players that, that we probably wouldn't have seen if not for the whole doping scandal. So should be a really interesting storyline that goes along with the Olympics uh, that you won't see anyone. There won't be any athletes at all from Russia um, under the Russian flag. They will be able to play uh, or they will be able to. There have been some that have been able to get certified that will be allowed to compete under the Olympic flag. Um, basically, they'll, I believe the designation is they'll be an Olympic athlete from Russia. Uh, but they will not be able to use the Russian flag. There will not be the Russian anthem at all. So uh, it should be really interesting. So, all right. Any any other uh, thoughts you wanted to share before we get out of here for the night? Uh, no, I think I've I think I bored you enough with my biathlon and hockey. All right, sounds good. Well, in that case, we're going to go ahead and wrap up. Uh, thank you guys for listening, Fetch. Thank you for joining me tonight. Um, you know, like I said, we will be having that uh, that other episode talking about football, and we'll be back next week. Uh, we probably won't actually have another episode before the Texas Tech game with, with, with the New Year and all. Um, but we've, you know, talked a little bit about that. We'll see. Uh, we'll definitely wrap that one up um, and then kind of talk about what's, what's coming up. Uh, but make, make sure you guys listen to those other episodes, and, uh, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Talk Podcast. Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.